0: So as Lisa was reading the text, I was like, "Oh man, that second half is so a downer. <laughs> so much of a downer from the first half of the lesson that she, you know, the, the temple we built on a high mountain. Let's pray, right. God. We thank you for, um, we thank you for the opportunity to gather and worship, whether in person or via Zoom, and we we come into this place. We've gathered in this place together in your name to worship you. And so we invite your presence. We invite your spirit to be with us in all that we say and do, in the prayers, in the the songs, in the message, in the greetings that we exchange. We invite your presence to be here with us. In Christ's name, amen. Tell me if you remember the, where this comes from. Could it be? Who knows? There's something to anything. I will know right away, soon as it shows. It may be a cannonballing down from the sky. Who knows? It's just out of reach, down the block, on a beach, under a tree. Any one of you? I got a feeling there's a miracle going to come true, coming to me. Could it be? You recognize the words of that song? It's from the opening song of Leonard Bernstein's hit Broadway show, West Side Story. Something's coming. Something's coming. Those words catch the spirit, really, of the Advent season and Isaiah's grand vision that Lisa just read for us, this vision of peace on Earth. And when I read the text, I said, oh, my God, that's what we need in our world today, this vision of peace on Earth. Isaiah believed with all of his heart that God would one day bring about a world where all of humankind would live together, all of humankind would walk together in faith and in peace. Such a grand vision has really been, I think, the prayer of many people of faith throughout the generations, and I know it's definitely my prayer for the world today. Isaiah wrote these words when the people of Israel were weary of blood wars with Syria, and how ironic that this text still could apply today where the people of Israel are at war. And it looked as if the nation was condemned to an awful battle after battle until all of humanity would be ultimately destroyed. That's the writing in the text. And the people of God in the other age took heart from these exact words, even today, whether it's the people of Israel or the people of America or the people in Ukraine, they're taking comfort from these exact words that the promise that this kingdom, that there'll be an earth where there'll be no more wars my adult Christmas wish, the words of that song. I pray that there'll be no more wars, a time when God's rule over all of the world would be supreme, God's rule and not human rule, God's rule and not a rule by an evil spirit, that God's love and grace and compassion would be what drives us in the world when Christ would return into power. In the face of the bloody persecution and the hardship That real vision that Isaiah wrote about kept those early Christians going. The vision of a peaceful world, the vision of a place where there's no more starvation, no more homelessness, no more people being trafficked for selling their bodies, that vision, hold that vision in your head. And like Isaiah of old, they stood on their tiptoe, believing that God would cause something tremendous, something fabulous to happen, something's coming, like the words of the song. Isaiah pictured the Lord house as on this mountaintop. In fact, those are the exact words that Lisa read for us. With the world's nation streaming toward that mountain, beating swords into plowshares and spears beaten into pruning hooks. God's people in every age have strained their eyes toward that mountain. If you've ever been to Israel on the horizon, something's coming. The Dome of David, when you stand on certain elevations in Israel, you can see the Dome of David. You're looking for the hope. Something's coming. But Honestly, the skeptic in me, and maybe the skeptic in you, laughs at such dreams sometimes. Sometimes I laugh at those hopes, even though I know that I'm looking forward to this significant event, this hope, this passion. And maybe I laugh in those situations where I'm just overwhelmed by the negative news that's on The television, that's in the papers, that's on the internet, that's on social media. Expecting daily lives to change. Expecting parents find absolute joy in what? Waiting for that child to be born, assembling that crib, painting that nursery, practicing all of the nice things that you're going to say to your child. Residents in a town that's expecting a dignitary or an official or or president, they start to clean their yards and paint the statues that are filled with graffiti and they do that when you're expecting something. There's certain things that we do when we're expecting something. A congregation in transition without a pastor gets excited when that pastor is about to be called. Even in The coming of Christmas as we approach it. What's what's the day? The 15th? 16th? What day is it? 17th. Eight days. (laughs) Lost track. Eight days to Christmas. People, during that time of expectancy, you you see it every year. It's like a light bulb turns on in people's hearts and their minds. People start speaking to you. Hi, how you doing? Have a happy day. You know, it's like, where is that? all year round. Where is it? But we're expecting something. We're expecting something. And the world may not even know what Advent is. The world may not even know, or a large percentage of people in the world may not even know when Advent begins. But they're expecting something this time of year. This joke is told of a high school teacher who was in the barbershop just before Christmas. And he had a discussion with the barber about how much the kids looked forward to. They were expecting their Christmas vacation. He said, yes, and you should have heard and seen the excitement last day of school. There was foot stomping and back slapping and and table pounding and singing and shouts of joy and all of that was just from the teacher's lounge (laughs) we get excited when we're expecting something yes we all know the excitement that a future possibility can bring in our daily lives but if we're honest and i'm being honest here we have also experienced loss a few of us earlier were talking to Pastor Henry about the blue Christmas service that they're having here. We've also experienced disappointment over hope for a future that doesn't come. Is there anyone who has not known the emptiness, the emptiness of despair and of heartache when nothing happens? Despite all of our preparation, when nothing happens, a young couple who desperately tries to conceive a child, but it's all in vain. The town prepares for the celebrity visit, but the celebrity decides to go to another town because she has a better offer. For many people, even Christmas Day brings mixed feelings. The joy of opening the Christmas, but then after that, what happens? The beautiful packages are open, gifts are admired, and then they're put away. Trees come down, shepherds and angels are stored away for yet another year. The long-awaited day seems to pass so quickly with a sense of what happened. How did it happen so fast? We waited so long for this, and it went that fast. God's people have always had to live in our eyes fixed on hope. It's not a false expectation, but our eyes fixed on hope, hope for the future. And that's where I find myself and that's where this text finds us. For people in Isaiah's time, the vision of this coming Messiah, it really sounded beautiful. The only ones who came were the Assyrians, not the Messiah. And the Persians with their armies, the early Christians were, they prayed fervently, like you and I. They prayed for the Lord to return. Come, Lord Jesus, is one of the prayers that's found in the scripture. But Roman soldiers came, not the Christ in power, not the Christ in glory. And for many today, the vision of God's wondrous return is kind of like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? They have no expectations of that. Where is this day that Paul says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord? Where is this beautiful God-shaped future when we seem to be sinking in the ocean? Where is it? is the question that Isaiah would ask. Where is this God-shaped future when human greed is like a bottomless pit? Where is it? When we see those things around us, we can ask, where is it? Where is this time of strife-torn war where spears will become pruning hooks? Where is it? And swords will become plowshares. I think we try to keep light of the despair and the hopelessness in the world. Yes, we try to make light of it, of the world's greed and godlessness. Something has to happen. Something has to happen to change it around. Is this vision of a kingdom of God on earth just a fantasy? Maybe we can think about that this week. If it is, then the church of Jesus Christ is just another well-meaning institution in our society that's kind of whistling hymns in the dark, collecting people's pledge cards, passing out offering plates. Is it like that? Expecting nothing to happen, nothing to change? Or is there really hope? Isaiah was no dreamer. And I don't think people of faith in every age have found hope in the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God ruling God's world. Ending wars and bringing peace. Not through the wave of a hand. That's not how I envision that happening. You know how I envision that happening? Through you. And through you, and through you, and all of you that are on Zoom, and through me, God uses us as instruments to bring about the transformation that's needed in our small world. And then the people that we are able to touch and impact in our world can move and expand and touch people in their world. I don't have this grand vision of God doing snapping a finger or waving a wand and changing things, but I have a vision of God using you and me to transform this world. Isaiah reminds us first that the promised kingdom of God will come in all of its fullness in God's time will not come on a way of the denomination's timetable. It won't come based on what a nation's power structure is or economic structure is. It won't come on that. Isaiah saw Jesus foretell a future so magnificent and far beyond anything you and I can even imagine. But happening in God's time and God using you and me to bring that about to bring about the harmony and peace and the goodwill. Are you prepared for the something that's happening? The something that's coming? Isaiah's words really remind us of something else to be celebrated on this Sunday, this Advent Sunday. God is calling us. each and every one of us, to live today in the light of God, to live today in a way where we usher in, bring forth that peace and that hope that can be contagious to the world, that the world so desperately needs. God is calling you and me to do that, to be light. Let our little light shine. That's what God is calling. Don't let Satan blow it out. But letting your light shine in the midst of all the darkness and evil and hatred and violence and sin and racism and sexism and war and murder that's going on in the world. I guess we have an option. We always have an option. We can choose to participate. We can choose to further that. Or you and I can make a conscious decision and say, I want to be the change that I want to see in the world. Every time a congregation like ours creates a food pantry, clothing distribution, We do so not in some naive hope that a few cans of soup and an old suit or old jacket or old blouse or old shirt will solve all of human needs. But we do so in light of that great banquet table in heaven, that table where nobody will be hungry, nobody will be on house. The world around us often uses scientific principles of cause and effect to explain human history. But in Christian experience, tomorrow may be best described today. For you and me as followers of Jesus Christ, we could often say the best is yet to come in eternity, But how about living the best now and helping someone else live that best now? How about creating a new eternity for our neighbor, our siblings? When we trust in the promise of God's coming kingdom, we see the signs that even though it's way on the arising, something's coming. I remember, and I close with this story, I remember um, when my daughters were very young, maybe four or five. One day I was walking home and I parked way down at the end of the street because I wanted to surprise them. And they saw me coming from a distance. I don't know how they picked out, maybe it was my um body shape or complexion or something, but they, and they started running towards me. They said, Daddy's coming. Well, more than Christmas, hope is coming. Your life, 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 and all of your lives on, on Zoom. Something's coming, and we are not just sitting back Waiting for it to come. We are going to be vehicles that help to bring it. What's coming? Hope. What's coming? Joy. What's coming? Peace. What's coming? Love. What's coming? Grace. Compassion. Understanding. And I want us to be a part of that group that ushers that in. Not sit back and watch it happen, but be a part of the ones that make it happen. In the lives of those people we touch, we have been blessed to be a blessing. And something's coming. I want us to be a part of making that happen. Let's pray. God, every time a congregation stands up and sings from the heart, come the long expected Jesus. We join Isaiah in the prayer that one day that whole world will indeed walk in the light of the Lord. We celebrate the opportunity to be vehicles used by you to usher in the love of God in the lives of those people we are fortunate to come in contact with. We don't have to sit by to wait for God to do something. Our prayer is that we will be used as vehicles to bring forth God's transformation in the world because something's coming. Amen.